entered into death and detoxified it so that the whole of creation could be brought alive. Something new has been created, a new form of relating that didn't exist before because God dwelt in death and made it non-toxic. Little James Allison left over. Yeah. Echoes. Echoes. That's better than left over. Welcome, everybody. I'm so glad that you all made it out here uh, today, and everybody on the streaming and the podcast, welcome to you as well. Come. Man, it's nice to have the whole band here. Uh, sounds fantastic. Really good. Really good. All right. Let's see. Oh, you know what I wanted to uh, say was Debbie will be back next week. So please tell all your friends who've been staying away. She's coming back. So, uh, that, so that'll be good. Also coming up uh, two weeks, Stations of the Cross on Good Friday and Easter. So put those on your calendars. And uh, at two, uh, we had a wonderful time yesterday here with uh, James Allison. And I just want to thank everybody who has done so much to help with bringing him here and uh, hosting everybody. Uh, so, yeah. Thank you very much. And uh, oh yeah, there's another important thing. If you didn't get a chance to donate to, uh, to help pay James Allison, and you'd really like to, you can find these cards in the back. You can just QR code on it right there and make a great donation just in case you missed it. But uh, thank you for all you do and all the money you give, I guess. And uh, once again, this is the House of Mercy and welcome to it. you 
join me in the prayer of invocation. God of mercy, hold us in love. As we walk through this Lenten season with you to the cross and resurrection, as the earth warms and the sap rises, as trees and seeds and bears and frogs wake up after a long winter, and as the frozen soil thaws in preparation for abundance and new life, we pray the same for our hearts. Help us to be present in this place and to hear your voice. Amen. The peace of Christ be with you. Let's share a sign of peace. Our guest artist this afternoon is Michael Morris. first song I'm going to sing you, the first of two songs is, uh, per my tradition, something I wrote this week. Um, and uh, I was worried it'd be a spoiler alert for the gospel message, but I think that Reverend Russell took care of that in the introduction. This song is called Resurrection Blues. Once I was dead, oh yes I died, but then the good Lord said, friend open your eyes to my surprise, to my surprise, I am alive. Have you heard the resurrection blues? You can't be sad and receive good news. As my soul sleeps and sister sighs, Lord, help him compete with the devil inside. Surprise, surprise. Surprise, surprise, I am alive. Have you heard the resurrection blue? No, you can't be sad and receive good news. Darkness is deep, despair is wide. My brother's keeper in shame I hide to my surprise To my surprise He is alive Have you heard The resurrection blues? No, you can't be sad And receive good news My Jesus our Savior cries, knowing the next word he speaks means I shall rise. Surprise, 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 we are alive. Have you heard the resurrection blues? No, you can't be sad and receive good news. 
know you can't be sad and receive good news. No, you can't be sad and receive good news. Oh, have you heard the resurrection blues? play the next song with me. She doesn't know what song it's going to be. Behold her improvisation skills and calm under pressure. Um, so this is a, not a song that I wrote, that I, uh, but I wanted to share it with you. Um, it was written by a very dear and inspiring friend of mine. Um, and I don't know if any of you have the experience of, um, I'll put it this way, like I, uh, uh, one of the Lutheran churches that I grew up at, um, the youth pastor, he wasn't like one of those youth directors, he was like an older pastor, like just assigned to the youth at this big church, and he was always, it was like having a, somehow he had the ability to, to take a bunch of squirrely teenagers and get us to sit in class and listen to him like he was a, you know, a wise college professor. And, um, and I remember him telling us out of the blue once, or maybe there was a, a specific reason for it, but I just remember him telling me once, you know, grief when you lose somebody you love doesn't happen like on a schedule. And he shared a story that he was like, he's like, my sister passed away like decades earlier. And he's like, once I woke up in the middle of the night, crying, and my wife was like, what's wrong? And he was saying, my sister died, my sister died. And he couldn't, he couldn't contain the grief, but it was like 25 years past, right? And, um, and uh, of the people that I've loved and, and lost, um, um, it just, at various times, for reasons I don't necessarily realize, at least in the moment, they're, the grief of losing them is, is really, really present. And um, um, this friend of mine, um, his name is Drew, and you know, in, in, in a horrific uh, form of de-evolution, it seems that things we call mass shootings are so like commonplace now, right? Um, but in 2012, there was, something deemed a mass shooting in Seattle at a bar called Cafe Racer that I used to live out there half the time and that was like where I was in the morning sitting next to Drew and I wasn't there um, on a terrible day. In May of 2012, but I would have been if I'd been there sitting next to Drew when he got shot and killed by a guy that just came in and, and shot up my favorite place to be in my favorite city and with my favorite people. And Drew wrote this song, um, and he wrote it, and he claimed, he swore that his friend who had been killed, tragically, wrote it after he had passed through Drew. So he was like, I didn't write this song. It just came through me. And I don't know, 
I could probably count the shows on one hand in the last 11 years that I haven't covered this one song of Drew's and it's my way of keeping him alive. And so um, it struck me just a few minutes ago that I want to sing that today on this day where we talk about um, the resurrection of, of our Lord's friend, right? And the song is called Hello Goodbye. Sure, I'm gonna ring that bell. 
Let the devil know I have a I'm gonna let the devil know I have a I'm gonna let the devil know I have a Join me in the prayers of community. After each prayer or petition, I will say, God, in your mercy, and I invite you to respond, hear our prayer. God of mercy, hold us in love. The world feels broken beyond repair. The problems we face feel too numerous and overwhelming to even hold in our minds, let alone begin to solve. We pray for an end to imperialism, tyranny, war, and an economy based on extraction and consumption. We pray for peace and for the healing of the earth. Help us to do what we can in our small corner of the world, even if it feels like it will never be enough. God, in your mercy. God of mercy, hold us in love. We pray for our transgender neighbors and loved ones, and especially for our trans transgender children. As they increasingly come under attack by our leaders and are subject to violence, both physical and emotional, we pray that you will protect their bodies and hearts from hate. Help those of us who are not transgender to be good allies and friends and help us to work towards a world where everyone is safe to be who you created them to be. God, in your mercy. God, in mercy, hold us in love. We pray for the church that you will help us deal with our shame so that we may become your truth and forgiveness in the world. We thank you for loving us, but especially for liking us, despite everything the church has done in your name. We thank you for this community. May it continue to be a shelter in the storm. God, in your mercy. God of mercy, hold us in love. We, or someone we love, are tired, sick, broken, addicted. We pray for rest and for healing. Help us to provide comfort, to show up for those who need us, and to be your love and mercy to one another. God, in your mercy. Please hear our prayers and confessions as we pause for an extended silence. Amen. In the great book of John, your word of the day, when
from the Gospel of John, chapter 11, verses 1 through 44. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. Mary was the one who anointed the Lord with perfume and wiped his feet with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent a message to Jesus. Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. Rather, it is for God's glory, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Accordingly, though Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, after having heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then, after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now trying to stone you, and are you going there again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours of daylight? Those who walk during the day do not stumble, because they see the light of this world. But those who walk at night stumble, because the light is not in them. After saying this, he told them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will be all right. Jesus, however, had been speaking about his death, but they thought that he was referring merely to sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. For your sake, I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. Thomas, who is called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go, that we may die with him. When Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, some two miles away, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them about their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, while Mary stayed at home. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you, have been here, my, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask of him. Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? 
She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one coming into the world. When she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary and told her privately, the teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come to the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. The Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary get up quickly and go out. They followed her because they thought that she was going to the tomb to weep there. When Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she knelt at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved. He said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus began to weep. So the Jews said, see how he loved him? But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, again greatly disturbed, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone was lying against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, already there is a stench because he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus looked upward and said, Father, I thank you for having heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I have said this for the sake of the crowd standing here, so that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet bound with strips of cloth, and his face wrapped in a cloth. Jesus said to them, Unbind him and let him go. The word of the Lord. You know, the, the tomb of Lazarus can be visited even today. Thousands make the pilgrimage. The church of St. Lazarus was built over this tomb, and there's a set of stairs that lead under the altar to this venerated place. Perhaps uh, some of you have been there on your trip to Cyprus? Yes, Cyprus. Cyprus. Oh, you thought I meant that the tomb where Lazarus was buried the first time. No, that, of course, is in Bethany, the present-day West Bank. And there is a church there as well, with stairs to the tomb as well. You can visit that. That one is empty. The tomb where Lazarus was buried the second time in Cyprus is also empty. According to the Eastern Orthodox tradition, Lazarus fled after Jesus' resurrection and ascension ahead of death threats by the religious leaders. Lazarus knew that he was the proof. Jesus ascended into heaven and left Lazarus behind as verification that resurrection is possible. The religious leaders wanted to get rid of that proof. So Lazarus fled. 
He died once and he did not want to do it again anytime soon. So he fled and he eventually settled in Cyprus where uh, the Apostle Paul appointed him a bishop. And there he lived very unhappily for the next 30 years. You see, the tradition says that Lazarus was haunted by the memory of all the unsaved souls that he had seen in Hades when he was dead. Whether he was tending his garden or making his bed, it didn't matter. Whatever he did, he was never free of the image of the suffering and tormented souls that filled the place of the dead. And when he saw people on the road or kneeling in prayer at Mass, he couldn't help but picturing how they would end up. Every face he saw, he pictured in anguish in Hades. Eventually, Lazarus died again and was buried in Cyprus. When Lazarus exited his second tomb, it was not by resurrection. His bones were carried in a bag. His remains were moved to Constantinople and entombed a third time. And he stayed in that tomb, very dead, until the crusaders pillaged the city. They rebagged his bones and took them to Marseille, France. You can visit Lazarus's tomb there, even today. They claim to still have his head, but aren't sure where the rest of him got to. It might be the only Lazarus tomb with anything in it. This is uh, an odd and thought-provoking thing to do, to visit the tomb where Lazarus was finally laid to rest after he died the second time and wasn't resurrected. I mean, wouldn't you think something like, I'm looking at the human remains of someone who was raised from the dead and then died again you must be dead again, has never really caught on in the church. What is the sightseeing pilgrim supposed to think? Are they moved? Are they struck by the miraculousness of Lazarus's resurrection? Or after looking into the tomb, his fourth if you're keeping count, and trying to muster some sort of zingy feeling, maybe the pilgrim starts thinking, I know he died and was resurrected, but uh, I didn't really see that part. I just see the very dead, maybe head, of this longtime dead guy. And while he was once freed from death, death eventually caught up with him. I mean, how long does a resurrection need to last, you know, to be significant? And if the person is just going to die again, like, what's the point of the resurrection of Lazarus? The point Jesus explains several times in this long story that Phyllis read is to bring glory to God the Son and so that those standing there would believe that God the Creator sent him. And it does seem to work on that level in the story. The text reports that many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what Jesus did, believed in him. Others ran off and told the religious leaders, who, hearing about his miraculous abilities, immediately began plotting to kill Jesus. 
then they did kill Jesus and they buried him in a tomb from which he rose. I find these Christian tradition, the Christian tradition of extra biblical stories like Lazarus's, so fascinating. They're like, I don't know, sequels. The Bible doesn't tell us what happened to Peter, for instance, but the tradition tells us that he became the first pope. But uh, when a terrible fire broke out in Rome and nearly destroyed the entire city, Emperor Nero blamed it on the Christians and ordered Peter's execution. Peter requested that he be crucified upside down because he felt unworthy to die in the same way that Jesus did. Like a lot of sequels, they're not quite as good as the original, but uh, what I'm interested in is like why they came up with the particular stories that they did. Like Peter's death. It paints him as a holy leader of the church. So this is helpful. This is, they want a story like that. And um, who, like Jesus, comparing him to Jesus, was uh, executed by the Romans, but also as a leader who had the humility not to want to be compared to Jesus. It makes him, uh, makes him look good. But, so why does the tradition come up with this story for Lazarus? It's a really odd one. You would think that being one of the only three humans resurrected from the dead, the other one uh, being the centurion's daughter, that this tradition would have celebrated Lazarus. I mean, this is like, you know, amazing. This is as close to uh, the Messiah as you can get. But instead, they have him running scared from religious leaders who are trying to kill him, only to go and live out his life obsessed with the horror of death. Having been freed from death himself, he still cannot imagine the possibility that death has been taken up, embraced by Jesus in his resurrection. The tradition tells the story that has him looking towards his eventual death, not with a sense of peace in the knowledge that death has been innocuous, non-toxic, if you will, by the tradition. But the tradition tells a story that Lazarus is expecting at his death that he will return to Hades, to the suffering, and to be tormented with all the other souls. This sequel lacks imagination, lacks a, a creation imagination. It misses the point of the Lazarus story in the Gospel of John. The tradition takes the story of this man that Jesus loved, who has, been, who has seen his own death transformed by that love from see something to be feared to something that is the most profound sign of love and mercy resulting in this new creation about death without malignancy. It misses it. Death has been made non-toxic. This beautiful notion that death has been made non-toxic, it's from our patron saint, James Allison. Um, for his return to House of Mercy this time, 
we thought it would be fun since we sainted him last time he was here uh, to honor him by minting a saint's medal in uh, Dan Hoisington, a uh, backyard uh, metallurgist, I don't know what you call it, Enter, um, maker of fine metal work. <laughs> I don't know. It was like, he, I don't, he came when, last Sunday with his camera and he took a 3D image of James Allison's head and using a 3D printer, made a mold and uh, to make this saint's medal. And like all saints' medal, they all have a, a motto, a Latin motto for the saints. And so we to come, had to come up with a saint's motto. I thought of many things that might be appropriate and ran them uh, back and forth through Google Translate, Latin to English. And um, some of them were meaningful, but it didn't sound very cool in Latin. So um, we uh, ended up with mors inoxia facta est, which means death has been made non-toxic. Dan did an amazing job with this medal. You can see them, they're back on uh, the kiosk back there. Uh, you can have one of your very own for a very modest price. Um, but yeah, it's beautiful. So when I was working on the sermon for this text, this theme of death being made non-toxic was right at the core of it. And so I wanted to use it, but I couldn't really exactly remember the context in um, which Allison used it. So I started looking through his books and searching his website. I was thrilled to find that he had used this term uh, in an Easter sermon, which the website notes he preached in 2005 at House of Mercy Church <laughs> in St. Paul. So it seemed like maybe that was the appropriate, uh, appropriate thing. Um, I put a link to this sermon um, on this, uh, in this Sunday's bulletin, which you can pull up uh, on the website, just because everything I might be trying to do in here, he's done so much better, so I would recommend that you read that sermon. The core of the Christian faith is the proclamation that Christ has risen, that Jesus' death and resurrection is a very different thing from Lazarus's. Jesus defeats death. Death no longer has power. Jesus has made death non-toxic. Jesus ushers in the fullness of life for all. Jesus returns from the dead miraculously, not to punish his murderers, but to redeem them. Jesus' resurrection brings new life. This is the gospel. This story of death, the power of death, the threat of death, the fear of death, is at the core of the way this world works. This story that we have, this ultimate fear, when we're born, we know that there is an end coming, and it is our death. But still, people feel more comfortable with the knowledge that there is some kind of end. It's a kind of understanding that there is some control, that the world works a certain way, and uh, when we're motivated by this fear, we know how it ends. But Jesus, when Jesus ascends 
and swallows up death, takes death up with him, and makes it non-toxic, he removes the end of that story, the story that, that even the tradition couldn't help telling, couldn't help continue to be controlled by. But what Jesus' story tells us, this other story that we are free to live in, is that that end has been removed. That that death is no longer toxic. That whatever death might be, that it is no longer malignant. That it is a story with which we do not know the end, but we can know that we continue to be accompanied by the resurrected Jesus. And wherever we go, we will find life abundantly, mysteriously, filled with possibility, and completely out of our control. Thank you.